Hello and welcome to the last in the series, series three, episode six of This Is My Dram, a whiskey and music podcast in which we review whiskey and we play some songs to go with it uh, along a thematic link. My name is Stu and you'll hear my fellow This Is My Drama Andy after the jingle. And today we are reviewing the classic laddie whiskey from the Brook Laddie Distillery, which was actually a listener suggestion, uh, one from our um, Australian listener Daniel Hoper, who challenged us to also play some songs that bands have done outside of their usual genre to go along with the idea of the classic laddie being an unpeated Isla dram. We're also lucky enough to have an interview with Carl Reavy from Bugladdy Distillery, who gives us some great background on the distillery uh, and how they're pioneering different ways to do NAS whiskey. Uh, and so thanks to Carl for that great interview and listen out for that. And other than that, please follow us on Twitter at This Is My Dram, or one word, and let us know if you have any comments or other song choices, perhaps in the theme that we've picked. Uh, we love to hear from you. Uh, and you can also check out our website, thisismydram.com. Um, We've really enjoyed this series, hope you have too. We are going to take a little break before series four, uh, but we'll have some exciting plans, including a few visits to distilleries when we do return. Okay, let's get on with the podcast. Cheers. This is my dream, this is my dream. I like whiskey, I like beer. to uh, Series 3, Episode 6 of this my drama. It's the uh, big season finale. Last in the um, series. But I, I would, uh, you know, you can, you can expect uh, special guests, surprises, <laughs> you know, live bands, all the, all the usual, you know, big, the big firework ending that we, that we have for each series. None, none of which we've, we've booked before recording the podcast. So no, no, no. Uh, if they do happen, they'll be flown in afterwards. Uh, it, it'll either be that or it'll be a hastily cobbled together uh, mess, <laughs> mess like it normally is but it does seem like for the season finale it's the, the least prepared we've actually been for any of the episodes we've done all season uh, season series series we should be sticking to the English thing yes, yeah, yeah. Um, because we basically uh, have realised we didn't have an idea of what we should do for this episode <laughs> and we've relied on a listener email to help us out with it so, uh, so in a way kind of the email popped in at the right moment didn't it? So it yeah. meant we knew what we were doing. And then the only other idea that we had was to put it to Twitter. So we, we, <laughs> so we saved, saved ourselves the uh, awful embarrassment of, of people just going, you come up with it. It's not yeah. our job to like, <laughs> we listen to the bloody thing. You, 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 know, you can at least put the effort in and decide what you're going to do. Don't expect us to have the ideas for you. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what's happened. This guy has had the idea for it. So we got an email from one of our Australian listeners. Mm-hmm. Quite exciting to hear from our listeners around the world. Um, but a guy called Daniel Hoper, uh, I hope that's how you say it, um, he basically emailed us, got in touch with us through the website and we had a, a bit of a back and forth and eventually he got back to me with this message. Now I've got to avoid doing a terrible Australian accent, so I'm not even going to try just to avoid any offence to, to Daniel here. Well, we but, can edit one in later. Yeah. <laughs> but well, he, he, he spoke, he started with an Australian stereotype of saying, G'day, Stu and Andy. So I feel straight away I should be going into yeah, the you're the going to slide into it. Yeah, so, right, let's avoid it, let's avoid it. G'day, g'day, no, g'day. G'day, Stu and Andy. Um, he said, as a suggestion for future episodes, I would like to hear your thoughts on the classic laddie. Uh, 
the playlist for the Classic Laddie, as it is an unpeated Isle, unexpected by most, should be songs uh, that are a different genre from a band's usual. Uh, and he says, also, can we get an update on Australia? How are Australia tracking on the listener leaderboard? I'm doing my best to increase those figures. So there you go. So, uh, well, I was talking to you about this the other day, wasn't I? And you know where Australia is on the, the listener leaderboard at the moment? Mm-hmm. They're, They're sixth. <laughs> Just by New Zealand. <laughs> just by, just below New Zealand. Just by, yeah. yeah. No, we're only taking the Mercury down. Uh, it was, uh, they, I think, we, did we say fifth for Australia? Was, yeah, was fifth I think, for Australia. I think, I think we've got uh, UK, US, uh, US Japan, Japan, Belgium, Belgium and Australia. And Australia is our top five, yeah. yeah. And Belgium was, uh, was thanks to um, our good friend uh, on Twitter, Whiskey with Friends, who, um, who, did a lovely blog post for us and we got a nice boost in our Belgian numbers after that um, and the Japanese boost is still unexplained completely inexplicable no contact from any of our Japanese listeners as to why they're listening but they've shot right up the charts in the last month or so and we've we've actually had more Japanese listeners than US listeners in the last month do you think it's maybe related to a sort of increased security measures around um, around the North K- Korea incident where, they, where they're kind of they're just downloading all the podcasts in case there's any like secret inter- intelligence in there that they need to go on that's the only explanation I can think of yeah <laughs> but if you are Japanese and you are listening uh, as I said on the last episode do get in touch because I'd love to hear your suggestions for my upcoming visit to Japan where I'll uh, be going to a couple of distilleries the Yoichi and the Yamazaki distilleries and hopefully they'll feature on next series our series 4 brand new series um, hopefully we'll get a Japanese episode where we'll have some stuff from those distilleries that we can uh, we can look into um, so yeah so thank you very much to, to Daniel um, yeah your uh, Australian uh, listeners you're doing a, a cracking job at the moment to be, to be fair getting uh, Australia up to fifth place so Great. keep going with it keep spreading the word in your countries uh, your various countries around the world that you're in if you are listening uh, and thank you to, to everyone who's, who's involved but yeah uh, any other exciting news in the last week or so worth saying oh we went on our uh, our little whiskey crawl bar crawl thing as well yeah it wasn't uh, it, it was a it was a it was a tame tame bar crawl I think by, <laughs> by anyone's standards. well you were on medication yeah yeah <laughs> so you could only drink a limited amount and uh, I had some uh, a particularly difficult day at work coming up the next day yeah so I think between us we, uh, we managed to go for the, the most civilised uh, Tuesday night bar crawl uh, of whiskey bars in Newcastle that we could possibly manage um, we were actually trying to write a blog for a local um, a kind of organisation up here that tries to promote things going on in the northeast, and uh, so we thought we'd go out for a bit of a, uh, a, a jaunt around uh, the Newcastle whiskey bars and found some uh, some interesting whiskies whilst we were out. We saw a, a, a lot of Yamazaki Twelve. Um, we saw some Highland Park 18, we saw a lot of Bushmills 21, didn't we? Um, so there was a fair few kind of interesting yeah. drams out there. It seems like a lot of the world whiskies, the um, Swedish and Indian whiskies and things are starting to hmm. starting to make an appearance in some of the more uh, some of the more serious whiskey bars. But uh, And I had a quite embarrassing situation of uh, when we tried to find a secret bar that's downstairs underneath a, a little bar restaurant um, by the toilets. There's a little secret doorway you can get into a secret bar in Newcastle. And uh, But it didn't know it was only open on Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays and I decided to ask um, a girl uh, who was going down to the toilets who had, in fairness, staff written on her t-shirt where this bar was only to be told that it was the first time she'd ever been to the bar and she wasn't actually staff and I just completely uh, completely humiliated myself Yeah, yeah, it's one of of those odd odd fashion garments though that that really 
you, you know, really gets the pedant in me, like, <laughs> you know, just boiling over with fury. It's like, you know, what next? Like paramedic t-shirts or something, you know? It's like, <laughs> you know Can anyone help us? No, not me. I'm not <laughs> really a paramedic. You got paramedic on your t-shirt? Oh, yeah, shit. So I did. Um, well, t- think- 12.99 from Top Man, you know, it's, it's not... But know. it was the fact that she, she had completely forgotten she was wearing this garment because when I pointed out to her that she had stuff on her t-shirt and that's why I asked her, she looked down at it and with surprise was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> It's like she must have been asked a million of ra- million random questions throughout the day about mm. kind of where toilets are and where yeah, I can get various things. I think things. any shop or any bar you probably probably, <laughs> yeah. get, probably get asked something at some point. But uh, so was, that was a bit embarrassing. Yeah. But other than that, it was a good night. And we, it was uh, good. Uh, I mean, I had good whiskey. Yeah, I'd forgotten how expensive um, a decent dram is in a in a bar environment as opposed to buying samples or or. Mm. or going to tasting events and so on um, well Andy yeah. took the opportunity of me saying the first round's on me to order what was it a Johnny Walker Johnny Walker Blue Johnny Walker Blue <laughs> which, yeah. which was uh, hadn't, uh, didn't leave much change from a £20 note but well then, the, I mean the huge insult was that yeah it was, it was it was getting up on 20 quid for a measure and then and then I sort of you know had a bit of a, a, a nose and a taste of that yeah it's alright it's, it's alright <laughs> well I think the thing with Johnny Walker is it's, it's good whiskey a lot of the time isn't it but it's, it is quite overpriced for, for what it is yeah so yeah, I suppose yeah. that just that just kind of ticked over but you did, you did uh, repay the favour by getting me a, a Vicky 12 later on yes yeah yeah, 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 yeah so that yeah. was very kind of you so yeah So thanks to Daniel's suggestion of the song theme, as uh, as we read out from his email before, he wants basically uh, any kind of songs that are, that are from a different genre from the band's usual. Um, and we've taken this to the extreme a little bit where we've gone for actually kind of, uh, even if a band has switched genres or done different genres throughout their, uh, their, their careers, We've actually said that they, that doesn't count because that's that's not kind of it has to be completely out of character. We've basically said, haven't we? We've said go for something, something totally different. Um, so, what are you going to kick off with? You, you go for your first song first. What uh, <clears throat> what song uh, are you going for? And what's the story behind the the genre being totally out of character for the artist? Yeah, I'm going to start with a, a song by um, Nirvana from their MTV Unplugged in New York album. Cracking. Um, yeah. Which it's sort of an interesting record because it was a it was a complete um, contractual obligation for the band as part of their record deal. Everybody was doing that. I mean, it, in in that time in the nineties, kind of being on MTV was was mm. like you know getting on the you know get getting on the on, on the radio in the uh, in the forties or something. You you were not gonna. Do well as a band without without doing an MTV session. That's where all the cool kids were, wasn't it? So it, it was, you know, it was very much a concert that the band didn't really want to do. Mm. Uh, but I think to make it slightly more interesting for themselves, insisted on doing a few uh, a few covers mm. um, uh, as well as. And I think the acoustic versions they did of their own songs are interesting enough but I, I, and they're out of character as well so they fit the, yeah, the genre thing anyway it's, it's the, the whole thing's out of character but yeah. I think I think their own songs you know they sound like slightly quieter versions of uh, mm. of, of, of Nirvana basically you know it's, yeah. it, it, it's uh, you can see where the link is um, so the song I'm gonna play is um, Where Did You Sleep Last Night which is a cover of an old Lead Belly mm. song a, a, a blues song yeah it's just quite quite different mm. you know if you listen to 
every other Nirvana record and then just listen to that song in isolation you'd be like oh, that's, that's weird totally other than the vocal um, and, and certainly when he leaps up an, an octave in the in the uh, second half of the, the song it's just absolutely absolutely magical so um, great yeah. stuff let's all listen my girl my girl don't lie to me tell me when did you sleep last night in the plants in the plants where the sun don't ever shine Shiver the whole night through Girl, my girl Where will you go? I'm going where the cold wind blows In the pines, in the pines Will the sun don't ever shine I would shiver the whole night About a mile from here His hair was found in a driving wheel But his body never was found My girl, my girl
There you go. Well, there you go. Some uh, uh, fantastic Nirvana. We've got some extended applause. The live studio audience to this is my drum here. Applauding is out of that song, <laughs> which uh, which is brilliant to see. But yeah, uh, no, fantastic stuff. And uh, yeah, so we'll crack on and have a think about uh, the whiskey itself then. So we'll what we'll do is we haven't actually done this interview yet um, by the time we've recorded this podcast. But under the assumption that we end up getting a uh, an interview with someone from the Brooklady Distillery, um, let's let's have that now. Let's see what fantastic things they had to say about the classic laddie. Yeah. Yeah. This is my drum. Mm-hmm. The house. Time for an interview with Carl Reeve, head of communications at Brooklady. We talk about whiskey, that's NAS, and then we ask him what music he likes best. If you don't like it, you can go and listen to some other podcast. What? That isn't about whiskey and music and all that brilliant stuff. Yeah, why? It'll be dead boring, but you know, if you want to do it, fine. We ain't stopping you. Go on then. Kick it. Hello? Hi, is that Carl? Hi, it's Stu from This Is My Drum. How are you doing? Good, yourself? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. I'm really good. How is it up on uh, Sunny Isla today? It's just sunny, as you, you know, you just wouldn't believe how sunny it is. I'm looking, I'm sitting in my office here, looking out across a, an azure blue sea and little fluffy clouds. Oh. Cross-locking door to, to Bumore. It's all very beautiful. You're making me very jealous. I'm sat in a, a kind of quite grey and uh, and fairly cold Newcastle. So uh, I wish okay. I was on. I wish I was up an Isla at the moment. It'd be very nice. I can see gannets diving in the loch. If that's cheers you up at all. You're painting a beautiful picture. <laughs> um, so should we start with? Do you want to just tell us a little bit about your role at the distillery? Uh, sure. Um, my name is Carl Reavy. I'm uh, the head of communications here at Brooklady. Uh, we have a communications team, uh, well, it depends who you, uh, of about five people, let's call it five people. We also have an in-house journalist oh, well. uh, who creates uh, content, uh, little films, articles, blogs, uh, and keeps posting to uh, our various social media Feet. Is that the person that did the competition the other day where you had to post a picture of your favourite pen? No, that was me. Oh, was that you? That was a great competition. I loved that. <laughs> enjoyed that. Yeah. yeah. It was good fun. We just kind of, that was entirely made up on the hoof, but it was really quite good, wasn't it? Yeah. We literally sort of started the competition and said, right, well, what's this kind of competition going to be? Uh, but Ian's book, it's a sort of travelogue, as, as you perhaps know, and, and he wanders around the, the different whiskey distilleries uh, on Scottish islands. Hmm. And he writes about them, he describes writing about them longhand with his collection of beautiful handcrafted pens. So suddenly we had this shaft of light where we thought, well, why, everybody's got a pen, so why don't you send us a picture of your pen? <laughs> I just loved how uh, creative everyone got with their responses. There was some, uh, like there was a sheet pen and there was some fancy pictures oh, was, of fancy pens. And... Was sheet pen. <laughs> but, uh, he, he had to be a winner, of course. Yeah, that was brilliant. And uh, and just for the listeners, you're talking about uh, Whiskey's Galore book by is it Ian Buxton? Yes. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, I'm yet to read it, so I'm hoping to get hold of a copy of that. But it does sound like a cracking book. Um, yeah, it is good. Yeah, and is it does uh, Brooklady feature quite heavily as as part of that then? It does. I must admit, um, 
<laughs> but we're more interesting than most, you see. So we, you know, we, we, it takes a lot of words to talk about book club. <laughs> um, well, on, on the podcast, we're tasting the uh, the classic laddie, um, part of your core range, and uh, we we were just kind of wanted to get a bit of background about kind of what you were aiming to achieve with that particular whiskey and what kind of things we should be looking out for with it. I mean, there's, there's, there's been a long history of Brook Laddie with regard to these no age statement or non age statement whiskies. Mm. We consider ourselves to be pioneers in this whole genre of whiskies and um, back in the early days we were produced some uh, interesting young whiskies which we gave names to names like rocks and waves and peat you may have come across some of these yeah. drams in your travels they were unashamedly young uh, very high quality it was we were kind of very keen to draw attention then to the fact that yeah, a simple correlation between age and uh, quality is, is simply not possible. There, there's, a, there's a lot more interesting uh, aspects to whiskey than just simply, boy, you know, just, oh, is, is it a 10 year old or an 8 year old or a 15 year old or a 20 year old? But as the whiskey, and I don't think anybody really deliberately planned this trajectory but what actually happened was that whiskey became particularly scotch whiskey became more and more popular and there started to become to get real pressure on stocks of older whiskies mm. and all of a sudden lots of whiskies like literally hundreds of whiskies uh, started to appear over a number of years uh, right away across the industry with exotic names which are um, which we characterise with all sorts of rude you know names of Gaelic gods or, <laughs> or body parts or weapons or whatever it might be to romanticise these whiskies but the industry kind of responded by saying well you know, actually the law says that we can't tell you what's in the dram because if we're, you can, all we can do is tell you the age of the youngest whiskey in the bottle. Yeah. So, therefore, we can't tell you what's in the bottle because, you know, it's not reasonable to tell everybody that there's, you know, if, if, if there's, a, there's a drop of, you know, if, it, if it's just a drop of five-year-old in there or a drop of three-year-old in there, then all we can do is say that it's a three-year-old, so it's best to call it, Woden's scrotum or whatever it might be that uh, <laughs> uh, you might want to uh, to describe it as. There's, there's been lots of controversy and, and chat on the whiskey blogs about about this. So we determined that the way around this was that we that we actually looked quite hard at the European regulation. As far as we could see, there was absolutely nothing to stop us telling somebody who owned a bottle what was in it mm. so we started this a transparency campaign and lo it has come to pass that ever since and, and the classic laddie was the first dram that we applied this principle to which of course has transformed the um the perception of it mm. in the marketplace because now if you buy a bottle 
there's a code on the bottle, a batch code, which you can stick into a field on the website and it will give you the exact cask recipe, uh, including the ages of all those casks that went into making up that particular batch. And of course, being Brookladdy, it changes all the time. Yeah. So one batch is different to another batch. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's absolutely fascinating because I, I like when we get chatting to people about non age statement whiskies, the big complaint they have is just like why why aren't we being told, you know? And obviously, as you say, it's it's more regulation based than actually trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. And uh, we've actually found that you know some of our favourite whiskies out there are non age statement. So it's all for us. It's all about the taste, regardless of you know how old it is and anything like that. But it's still fascinating to know what actually goes into the whiskey and. Um, you know what what the consistent parts are so i think that's absolutely fantastic i think that's brilliant yeah so that's absolutely right sir. and so we tell you yeah it's not a problem i mean the reason for those regulations being introduced in the first place was to stop what they call teaspooning yeah whereby you get a, you know a teaspoon of a 30 year old in a bottle and, and then that is misrepresented yeah basically that is misrepresented by the and there are a number of instances which from very famous whiskey companies doing exactly that mm. um, in different markets around the world and you know it's just it's just not on mm. and so we completely get why those regulations were drawn up but they absolutely were not put in place to stop people being told what is in the bottles yeah that is that is nonsense and uh, you will not be surprised to hear that we have not been challenged by any of the uh, bodies that have the, the power to do so. Bizarrely, people think, because of the, 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 the history of Brookadia, because we were at the forefront of these NAS whiskies, people tend to associate us with NAS for some reason. Uh, so they think that everything we do is NAS, but in fact... We only produce two whiskies that are NAS, yeah, that are in our core range, mm. uh, which is the, well, with the possible exception of the, the organic, which is so we've got the, the organic. Okay, so let's call it three whiskies. The organic, the um, Port Charlotte, Scottish barley, and the classic laddie. Uh, but we produce, I mean, we have 27 in our core range, something like that. Yeah. And all the rest carry age statements or uh, vintages. Yeah. Nice to hear a distillery pushing the boundaries like that as well, isn't it? You know, that's that's what I think people want more distilleries to do. Um, I think, and you name yourself the, a progressive Hebridean distillery, don't you? And that's is that part of where that that kind of marketing idea comes from? The fact that you're not only pushing things like that, but you're also producing quite interesting bottles and interesting experiments with some of the the whiskies you're doing. Well, I guess that there's all sorts of, of, of reasons why. I mean, you could, you know, we like to think of ourselves as progressive and, you know, convention challenging and, and all these things. I mean, we, as you know, we're very, very interested in the concept of terroir um, and barley provenance and traceability and authenticity. This is, again, is entirely tied to the, the, the principles of the company being associated with wine, with fine wines where the idea of terroir, the idea of great variety being interesting and central to the, the flavour profiles, different flavour profiles of different wines.
wines from different regions, and that that's interesting. Hmm. Uh, that fundamentally is uh, what we're all about. So, with that that in mind, uh, are there any exciting plans for kind of upcoming uh, whiskies and bottles that you can tell us about? Well, uh, yes, loads, of course. <laughs> coming down as you, you perhaps heard about the flight of four octomore whiskies mm. chapter eight in the the octomore series yeah four drums uh, really really interesting include and obviously the one that's grabbing the headlines is the uh, the 8.3 which is this monster <laughs> uh, ppm count so yeah so for our listeners uh, our listeners who don't know that the octomore is your uh, attempt at creating some of the most peated whiskey you can, basically. Yes, that's right. I mean, basically, the, the maltsters are given carte blanche to literally drive as many phenols into the malt as they, as they uh, can possibly achieve. And the one that uh, uh, has, we're just in the process of launching now, the, the 8.3, has this remarkable 309.1 uh, PPM, mm. which is wow, <laughs> one for the real headbanger. Yeah, <laughs> that's how. I mean, that's it's interesting. Ultimately, I mean, I mean you'd think it would be undrinkable, but it genuinely is. I mean, it just isn't. It's in, there are other. To be perfectly honest with you, there are other. I mean, although the figures are, are colossal, I mean, they're just unreal. By the time it gets to the glass, the, the, the way that we treated that heavily piece of malt uh, produces uh, yeah, something which is really quite. Subtle. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's heavily peated. It's really heavily <laughs> peated. But there are other peat monsters out there that you would think, you know, that, that really completely blow your head off, mm. and you just think, my goodness, that's just undrinkable. But the Octoloid is absolutely not like that. It really isn't like that at all. And um, as you know, our podcast is about whiskey and music. And uh, I hear you're a bit of a music fan yourself. And I, I used to work in the music business. Uh, I was a, a roadie for a number of years, uh, working with all sorts of, if, uh, mostly punk bands and reggae bands in the late 1970s and early 1980s. I really am that old. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, I had a, uh, a lot of good times working for, particularly with a, an Irish band called The Undertones. Fantastic. But I also did quite a lot with... Um, other bands as well, the Buzzcocks and Adam and the Ants and Susie and uh, X-Ray Specs. Amazing. Yeah, so what was your particular role whilst you were working with those bands? I used to mix the sound, oh. just live. I never did, um, I never mixed records. That sounds like the, the dream job for a music fan, especially in that era where you get all those great kind of punk bands and, and things like that. Um, we, we have actually played... It an... was a wild time, right? now. <laughs> We we have actually played an undertone song on one of our previous episodes when we did uh, one of the Irish whiskies. What's the uh, what's the general playlist in the distillery? What kind of things do you listen to? I've been listening to uh, Mark Lanigan quite a lot recently. Mm. Uh, Steve Mason, yeah. I've been listening to quite a bit. I mean, I I love the National. Oh right, American band the National. I'm li- I'm literally going to see them tomorrow in Manchester. So there you go. Wow, <laughs> awesome. I've never seen them. I'd love to. I've got all their records. Yeah. Great band, uh, really, really good. Great stuff. Well, thanks so much for for joining us, Carl. It's uh, it's been a pleasure, and it's been really interesting to find out about uh, Brookladdy Distillery and and all those releases. Have you got any final questions for me before we say goodbye? 
No, I'm, 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 I'm pretty relaxed here. I'm just watching a, a little boat trundling out to a, to, the, to a ship which is pulled into the pier here in hmm. the evening light at, uh, outside Brookay. Well, rather pleasant. Oh, sounds like the perfect job. <laughs> Have you got any yeah. jobs going? Have you got any jobs well, going, Carl? I'll give you, give you a bit of. A, <laughs> I better, I better go now. I'm, supposed to, I'm, I'm at seven o'clock this evening. We're going to be with our head distiller, Adam Hannah, is going to give a live broadcast on YouTube, what we call Laddie TV. Yes. You'll never guess, but I'm operating the sound desk. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> You're using your skills from the undertones days in uh, in in Brig Laddie now. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Come to this, what can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'll let you go then, Carl. It's been an absolute pleasure, though. Thank you so much for uh, for speaking to us. Thanks for having the chat. Great. Cheers, Carl. Thanks very much. Cheers, everybody. Bye. Bye. So the first song I'm going to put on the playlist is basically one that uh, is from the, the region. We're based in Newcastle and uh, Feachheads are actually from, well, just down the road, aren't they? They're from Sunderland. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, probably one of the only good things to come out of Sunderland in years, uh, I would I'm, argue. I'm fucking stone out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I've been living here for 10 years and I, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns that I'm staying out of the Newcastle-Sunderland Newcastle, thing. So, yeah, so uh, anyone that knows uh, the region well will know there's a bit of rivalry between Newcastle and Sunderland, but I will allow uh, the Futureheads uh, the, the, to say that they are a fantastic thing. They, they, they have come out of Sunderland and basically uh, been great for the region recent, uh, in terms of music. And they, you know, when they first were around, they were a, po- a post-punk band and they released three or four albums um, as a post-punk band and, and uh, kind of did particularly well in the in the kind of noughties. But what they did recently is they decided that um, because a lot of their, their songs, even though they were post-punk, they, uh, the vocals were such an important element of them and the fact that they always had three or four part harmonies going on in a lot of their songs. So what they decided to do was uh, release a an album that was just a cappella. So they got rid of all the instruments, did an a cappella album, and they did some of their own songs, they did some covers, they did some new songs, and they uh, basically created this whole album of them, them doing intricate um, arrangements around the vocals and the, and the harmonies that they've got going on. And it was a fantastic album, but totally out of, out, out of character with, well, not out of character, but totally different sound to what they, they did, obviously, with the heavy guitars and, and, and energetic post-punk that they had. They, they instead were doing a lot more that sounded perhaps a bit more um, in terms of slightly more folky, I suppose, because yeah. of the fact that there was a bit more, more vocal style. I think it's good on. because when you... I've, I've seen them live a few times and mm. um, you, the, the vocal arrangements that you do get on the records are completely lost in most, yes. in most live scenarios because... So loud. To, to, well, <laughs> to be honest, it's taken sound engineers... The, the guts of 40 years of, of rock music to figure out how to mix one vocal with a mm. drum kit yeah. so when you then add in lots of intricate backing vocals and harmonies mm. most side guys just, just don't give up <laughs> just give up it's too much to be bothered with did you see um, them on the tour where they did the acapella uh, I, 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 didn't didn't see, I, I didn't see them live on that tour no. so for that one they just literally just four of them stood on stage four mics it was that simple a setup. And they did the the whole the whole kind of gig like that, and uh, yeah. and the album was like that as well. And one of the things they did is they covered a uh, Richard Thompson song, um, but they basically done this this four part harmony and totally transformed the song. It's a cover, but you know when I listened to the original because I heard this before the original, I was like it's totally different. Um, and I just I absolutely love it. I think it's a great song, and I love it to the extent that I painstakingly uh, transcribed all of the vocal harmony parts so that I could perform this with. 
uh, three other guys at a birthday party and a wedding um, that we did and so I've performed it a couple of times I've got the full vocal score if think, anyone wants it I think you need to get a Netflix account <laughs> I know it was quite sad sitting and I'm not, I'm not particularly um, good with uh, written down music as well so I, it took me ages it took me bloody ages to, to write out this entire score um, but, but it was worth it it was, it was nice but fortunately for the listener they're not going to hear me singing it because that would be a, a bit of a shame uh, you're going to hear the future so this is the fantastic beeswing by the future heads I came to town and they called it the summer I came to town and they called it the summer I was 19 I when I came to town and they called it the summer alone there were burning babies burning flags there were hawks against the doves I got a job and a steamy down 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 on Cauldron Street Fell in love with a laundry girl who was working next to me Oh she was a rare thing Fine as a bee's wing So fine a breath of wind might blow her away She was a lost child Oh she was a running wild She says as long as there's no price on love As long as there's no price on love As long as there's no price on love I'll stay Wouldn't want it any other way I came to town And they called it the summer I came to town And they called it the summer Brown hair zigzag around her face And a look of half surprise like a fox caught in the headlights There was animal in her eyes She said, young man, can't you see I'm not the factory kind If you don't take me out of here I'll surely lose my mind Oh, she was a rare thing Fine as a bee's wing So fine a breath of wind might blow her away Blow her away She was a lost child Oh, she was a running wild she says, as long as there's no price on love, as long as there's no price on love, as long as there's no price on love, I'll stay. And you wouldn't want it any other way. We bust around the market towns and pick fruit down in Kent. We could tinker lamps and pots and mines wherever we went And I said that we might settle down Get a few acres dug Fire burning in the hearth and babies on the rug She said, oh man, you foolish man It surely sounds like hell You may be lord of half the world But you won't own me as well Oh, she was a rare thing Fine as a bee's wing So fine a breath of wind might blow her away she was a lost child, oh she was a running wild She says as long as there's no price on love I'll stay I wouldn't want it any other was camping down the gower one time and the work was pretty good she thought we shouldn't wait for the frost and i thought maybe we should we was drinking more in those days and the tempers reached a pitch like a fool i let her run with a rambling oh the last i heard she was sleeping rough back on the derby beat white horse in her hip pocket and a wolf found her and they even say she married once a man named Romany Brown 
But even a gypsy caravan was too much settling down. They see her flowers faded now, hard weather and hard booze. But maybe that's the price you pay for the chains that you refuse. Oh, she was a rare thing, fine as a bee's wing. So fine a breath of wind might blow her away, blow her away. She was a lost child, oh, she was a running wild. She says, as long as there's no price on love, as long as there's no price on love, as long as there's no price on love, I'll stay. And you wouldn't want me any other way. There you go, a few chads. Lovely stuff. Towing the line between punk, uh, post-punk and barbershop quartet there. I yeah, think. it's quite. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an unusual sound. You won't hear a lot of that on the radio. Yeah, uh, that, that particular um, that particular style of uh, of music. Yeah, so they did a, a version of a cappella by Calice, and they also did um, a version of uh, Number One Song in Heaven by Sparks. So yeah, they uh, they've got a good couple of covers on there as well that they do really well, as well as covering some of their own songs as well. So great little album. If uh, anyone, if you like that, go and check out that album because it's absolutely brilliant. Um, shall we have your science bit to find out a bit more about the whiskey before we? Uh, get stuck in and, and start tasting. Indeed, we shall. was designed and built as a modern, efficient distillery design in 1881 by a Glasgow whisky family, the Harvey Brothers. In contrast to Isla's farm distilleries with short stills, Brugladys were built tall and narrow to produce a lighter spirit. And now for something completely different. The distillery remained under Harvey family control until 1936 and changed owners several times before closing in 1994. Six years later, a group of private investors purchased and refurbished the entire distillery, retaining much of the Victorian equipment. Oh, behave! <laughs> yeah! Brookladdy was most recently taken over by Remy Quantro in 2012. Due to the retention of the gravity-assisted Victorian distillation processes, very few computers are used in the production of Brookladdy whiskey excluding the webcams mistaken for a WMD facility by a US defense agency in 2003. This is breaking news. Team America has once again pissed off the entire world. A spokesperson for the Defense Threat Reduction Agency excused the error, claiming just a small tweak would be required to shift from whiskey distillation to chemical weapon production. No, no, that sort of thing wouldn't interest me at all, I'm afraid. Brook Laddie's range includes the Classic Laddie, which is unpeated, the heavily peated Port Charlotte bottling, and the self-styled, most heavily peated whiskey in the world, Octomore. The distillery uses the original open mash tun, along with its six Douglas fir washbacks and narrow-necked spirit stills. Brook Laddie's philosophy is that whiskey should have an authenticity derived from where it is distilled, 
and uses Scottish barley exclusively, much of it grown by farmers on Isla itself. Cracking stuff, yeah. They're uh, in- interesting, interesting distillery, interesting brand. So the the classic laddie bottle that we've got here is uh, comes in a nice um, a, a nice tin with a hell of a lot of writing on it. What I would you know. What would you call that colour? Was you go for like a, a pastel turquoise? Yeah, it's kind aquamarine. of aquamarine turquoise color. Yeah, um, it's also got the this is my uh, the bottle completely covered in the in the yeah. blue plastic uh, covering again with quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of text on it. It's I a very think, modern looking bottle, isn't it? But it's in a way that's not um, overly modern in its design, and, and we don't mind the fact that being modern to get away from some of the this this stuffy old kind of image of whiskey. Is, is not a bad thing, but I, I like how they've used the modernness here. To It reminds me a bit of the MacMira design as well, the kind of very, very uh, cool kind of graphic designer yeah, style. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's sort of clean and simple, isn't it? Jira's, Jira's kind of overly patterned new bottles are kind of a bit over the top, aren't they? So yes, is, yeah. I do find it a bit of a shame when you can't see the whiskey in it, um, because for a couple of reasons, you want to kind of see the colour of the whiskey as, as that's part of the attraction to a bottle isn't it um, and also you want to know how much you've got left which uh, yes yeah, 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 <laughs> you yeah, does, do. uh, but this one I do actually I do think is a lovely design so they do quite an interesting thing with um, uh, micro-providence uh, single cast whiskies where mm. they um, every I guess is it about every six months or maybe a bit longer than that they'll release three single casks that you can oh, yeah. you can buy a small <laughs> bottle of didn't um, you win one of them? I, I, I won one of the older ones uh, from the uh, the third release of the oh, cool. in, in, a, in a little Twitter competition, and it was a heavily sherried uh, cast strength uh, single cask whiskey. It was uh, fantastic stuff. You still got the little um, bottle of that one? I've still got the bottle. I Just, drank it all ages. Yes. <laughs> it's long gone. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, and 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 you you buy sort of three of these single cask uh, bottles. Um, uh, small bottles and, and, and they do a, a live YouTube mm. tasting that you can you know taste along so so well we've got um, the classic laddie <clears throat> opening up in front of us yeah. how much did you pay for this bottle then? Uh, this was £38 38 uh, okay that's uh, not bad on, then on, online it's probably yeah it probably doesn't go for much more than 45 quid anywhere you'll 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 find it um, and, and it's no age statement 50% but it's yeah. uh, but it's also I mean thirty eight quid is pretty good I mean I think this whole series we've we've covered I don't think we've done a single whiskey that's been more than fifty sixty quid so we've no. covered quite because uh, all our money's running how many more series can we do before <laughs> before we're just doing like uh, Tesco only, you know uh, Tesco value whiskey <laughs> or whatever <laughs> but hopefully it means some of our listeners will uh, be thinking oh I, I might take a punt on some of those because. Uh, you know, it's they're not bank breakers, are they? They're just kind of like a, a nice bottle that's uh, good to have on the shelf. A bit more expensive than a standard bottle, maybe. Well, but. it's all about the you know within within your budget, whatever that is, having quality and variety on the shelf. For me, it's 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 nice to find you know whiskies of different styles that are affordable, affordable. To, to keep on the shelf. And yeah, you know this this one is 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 a little bit different to most other things I've got so yeah okay well let's dive in on the nose and see how that that difference uh, comes through well you get you get the barley straight away yeah that's it's probably one of the I kind of I can't, I can't think of too many whiskies where I've noticed that kind of barley smell so strongly kind of almost cereal almost digestive biscuit I don't know it's digestive biscuit barley but mm. yeah well, you know it's that kind of biscuity cereally 
I always, um, if, if, if a whiskey's got a kind of heavy barley note on mm. the nose, I always get it as uh, like Weetabix that's been in the milk for a little for a little mm. while, you know, that kind yeah. of like slightly mushy Weetabix. Stewed, that's that's where I always kind of, kind of uh, that's where my nose always goes. But mm. but there's there's sweeter note, uh, tones in there as well, isn't there? There's um, it's kind of a honeyed, honeyed kind of feel to it. Yeah, mm. I'm getting sort of a, a orangey lemon kind of sherbet. Mm. you know that kind of like um, yeah slightly sharp sweetness yeah that's kind of yeah slight stingy sweet sharpness that um, I think I like the sherbet that you said there I think mm. that, that there's, there's a subtlety to it but it seems very balanced the um, I don't think any elements completely overpowering uh, the barley is obviously very present but I think it, it melds nicely with all the other things as well so I like that right let's go for the palette it's really satisfying that there's almost a like obviously the barley and the wood again are in there, but there's almost a an almost a nutty feel. I almost get this kind of like almost dried nuts um, taste to it, which I get with some whiskies. I, I do get a kind of almondy nutty note for some some whiskies of a certain style. No, I can I can I can, mm. I can totally see that. It's a different kind of sweetness compared to the nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not sharp and sherbetty and um, mm. uh, in that way, it's more like a sort of. Um, like demerara sugar you know that kind of like really yeah. almost caramelized sugar yeah um, yeah I'm, I, I, I like the demerara sugar actually i think that's a good good shout it's very smooth as well it's even though it's 50 percent, the alcohol's not um dominating too much it's very easy to drink and yeah that's... there's a there's a really nice like sharp acidic top note mm-hmm. that i just think is great because I think it's got that salty coastal island taste, and it, it's almost like a kind of salt and vinegar kind of sensation. Yeah, just at, just at the top note. I know exactly um, what you mean. Because it's not at all peaty, is it? But no, no. there's that there's there's still that sea salt element to it, and I th- uh, yeah, and that, there's an acidity as well. So salt and vinegar. I wouldn't actually say it tastes like salt and vinegar. No, no, no. A, but then you get that kind of. That it's, that inter- that. it's that interplay between the the saltiness and the and the it's, it's more like you know it's not salt and vinegar like you get on in a pack of crisps or on your fish and chips it's mm. um it's a much more uh, decadent acidic taste like a kind of good white wine or something like that yeah yeah um, and on the finish kind of a bit spicy I think it's a, sort of the um a bit of a kind of peppery note I feel comes through a bit in the uh, in the finish. I think all the sweetness goes on the finish and you're left with, as you say, kind of like a, yeah, a peppery note. I'm still getting the wood, I'm still getting the um, oak and, and nutty taste that yeah. I was getting in the palate, but it yeah, kind of the sweetness dissipates and you just get this nice, I suppose the multi-flavours, they are the multi-flavours, aren't they, that are coming through. Yeah, it's very, I'm glad I, you know, I like to, um, make retrospective uh, links that make me appear more more um, more uh, intelligent and uh, you, you know well well planned than I really am. Have we got an analogy coming on here? Or is this um, like... It's 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 like a it's like an unplugged whiskey, isn't it? Oh, nice. It's really stripped yeah. back. You know, it's just the the barley um, and the and the distillation process and the and the and the wood. Mm, you know, it's very so simple. It's really, like you know, yeah. the, it's it's kind of like a a very um, doesn't it's not been tinkered around with very much. Yeah, it doesn't have uh, the it doesn't have the complexity of some of the whiskies we've tried. Certainly on series three, 
of the, the podcast, but it's got what it does, it does really well. It's kind of like a, it's got its focus, hasn't it? It's, it's not trying to be overly complex, not trying to do loads of different things, but it balances the flavors it does have really well, which is, you know, wood, salt, barley, a little bit of sweeter notes. And, and I it's think, balanced it really well. I think that, you know, in terms of what justifies its place on the shelf in relation to um, other Brooklady uh, releases or any other whiskey whiskey that you've got, mm-hmm. um, is that it's kind of like a it's kind of like a baseline to compare to, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. you know, if you so if you've got something that's um, you know had a particular cask finish or mm-hmm. uses a particular type of uh, malting or a, you know particular uh, prominence of, of of barley or whatever, it's kind of like that. This is your baseline comparison because mm-hmm. it's just. It's just as is. It's their, I suppose it's their signature taste, isn't it? And as you say, then any other book that you get, you can then compare to that and um, and think, oh, how does that compare back to the signature? So obviously the peaty stuff will be obviously different, but some of the other expressions they do, some of the single casks, then it's, it would be nice to then compare them back to this, wouldn't it? Definitely, as a, yeah. As yeah, a, as a yeah I really wish... Um, aged differently. Exactly, yeah. I mean, with the, uh, with the single cask, uh, sherry, uh, uh, sherry finish that I had. Um, uh, it would have been great to have have some of this to just kind of show mm. what they'd done to the to the base spirit, as it were, to to turn it like that that particular expression. So yeah. Well, it sounds like Bridlady need to send you another single cask so I you think, can compare. I think mm. it would be fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is my drama. So, uh, do you want to go for your second song? Yeah, so the uh, the second song I'm going to do is one that actually, uh, well, you introduced me to this with a, was it a, was it a kind of, it was a baby warming present, wasn't it? Was it was a baby warming present, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, not being a parent myself, I'm quite terrible at buying anything for babies, young kids, uh, as anyone who's friends with me who has a baby knows. Well, being a parent myself, I'm quite terrible at buying uh, buying the correct things for uh, for children as well. So, uh, oh, so it doesn't get any better when you have a kid. Yeah, no, oh, it's all complete fucking guesswork. Um, <laughs> so instead, I thought, well, I'll get something that the the whole family can enjoy. Yeah, and will also be close to your heart, being a, a music fan and music geek, and and you love having a a good record on the go. So I bought you this record, didn't I? Yeah. So this is an album by a guy called Walter Martin with his lots of his friends and, uh, and and family as well featuring on the album um, and it's uh, so he was the uh, bassist and organ player and uh, did some vocals with a band called The, the Walkman who are awesome awesome <laughs> post-punk again would you say no I'd say more indie rock I'd say more indie rock, rock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah even though that's a horrible phrase yeah a horrible genre and it covers almost a wide spectrum of everything but I'd say yeah they're, they're quite they were occasionally heavy, but occasionally kind of a bit slower. And, yeah, and yeah, they had a bit of a kind of uh, uh, a range in their sound, didn't they? Yeah. Um, so this was a um, an album of songs for children that he that mm. he wrote. Um, well, he basically uh, had a child himself, and he wanted to write a song for the kid. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it's it's one the first thing that uh, occurs to anyone when they have a child is how am I going to pay for this? <laughs> um, so so write an album is probably uh, probably as good a way as. Uh, 
good away as any to, to go ahead. So there's lots of really nice little songs, and, and, and my, my son absolutely loves the, the album. We've, we've got it on, as well as the vinyl copy that you bought. It's on all the devices and in the car mm-hmm. and everything to, to, to play. And it's, I mean, one of my biggest fears as a, as a music fan and new parent was that I was going to have to listen to some awful shit um, <laughs> that he would really, you know, he'd get into kind of like the, uh, the wheels on the uh, bus, the wheels on the bus, and things like that, which he also likes, unfortunately. But mm. um, but this is a this is a, actually a very very good album mm. of music. What I like about this album mm. is that I think the way he describes it, as he describes it as a grown up album presented as a album for kids. So he actually he, the presentation and the format and the style of the songs is. Uh, tailored towards kids but when you actually listen to the musicianship and the styles that are going on there's a lot more depth to it so this is actually a grown up album it's a it's an album written by a musician you know in a musician's way but it's actually just presented towards towards that kind of kids market so the song I'm going to play off that album is is called uh, Sing To Me and it's uh, Walter Martin with Karen O from the AAS. I suppose um, it's, it's different from her genre as well her usual yeah, genre yeah, yeah. So well, we've got, fits the billing from two angles yeah yeah well that's I mean this you know this is all meticulously planned <laughs> I, I know exactly I know exactly what I'm doing here don't worry um, <laughs> So yeah, and this is just a gorgeous song. It's a, 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 and and a, a very very good. Um, I, I know some of our listeners and, and friends on Twitter have have uh, young kids of their own, and, and this is a good get the little blighters to calm down song. So uh, so I'll, re- I'll recommend it for that as well. Butterflies, they fill my guts when I look in your eyes. A heart that's young is filled with sweet surprise Only the innocent can sympathize I don't care About the funny way you wear your hair Someday you'll let me put my comment there Till then you're beautiful I just stare Sing another lonely line with me Sing it in a lazy melody There's no words to say just how I feel It's just yada I listen to the funny things you say I hope you never ever change your ways Let's take a wander through the world today I like all of you I'd like to roll up in a ball of you I like to breach the castle wall of you And sing a concert in the hall of you Sing another lonely line with me Sing it in a lazy melody There's no words to say just how I feel So we just say a little, Sing to me 
There's nothing else you need to bring to me Until the day you bring that ring to me But either way you're everything to me Cause you sing to me Yeah, you sing to me There we go. That's uh, Sing To Me by Walter Martin featuring Karen O from the We're All Young Together album, which I'd thoroughly recommend to uh, for adults and children alike. Yeah, excellent. Fantastic stuff. So, yeah, we were, I mean, whilst that song was on, we were just having a chat and uh, chatting about the fact that this is quite a good whiskey for um, a couple of things that we can imagine this being a good, good kind of, uh, would suit certain occasions and certain things, wouldn't it? Which One of which would be um, someone who's wanting to get into whiskey because uh, it's got a quite a classic whiskey taste without you know too much complexity which I think your palate has to develop to pick up all that stuff doesn't it so it's quite good if you're just getting into whiskey but you were saying also it's a bit of a fierce drama of the night kind of thing yeah I feel like because I mean I, I often find that if I you know if I, if I take a 62% ABV uh, you know uh, sherry cask finished bottle off the off the shelf just after dinner or whatever it, it can be a bit kind of a bit much for the senses and, mm. and and often with those whiskies being a bit more premium often a bit more expensive mm. um you you want to enjoy those in the right frame of mind where mm. where you you accept and appreciate the, the quality of it so you ease in with this one i feel like get yeah. your palate get your palate ready for it yeah and then go for it yeah so yeah. it's like forget the after dinner mints have a classic laddie <laughs> and then you can you know and then wait for for Stu to arrive with his twenty pound note and send him up to the bar to get you, uh, <laughs> get, you get you something else, you know. That's, uh... I suppose we should probably drumily table it. Should we do it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because it's a drumily table, breaking all the whiskey so you can tell which is the best. table what do we think on the nose for the classic laddie well you go first because i realized not the last three episodes i've i've come in with the numbers first and then you can kind of <laughs> very easy for you to go uh, i'll go with that or okay that's complete bullshit okay well i think where this whiskey shines is on the nose i uh, i really like the nose i think the mix of the barley with the sweeter notes and that almost sherbetty note, I think that's where it has a bit more going on in terms of complexity, in terms of stuff happening. And um, it's not the it's not the most powerful of nose, noses, but there's a lot to pick out in there. So I think it, I'm probably going to go for an eight on the nose. I think an eight. I'm going to join you. Oh, <laughs> you just see how, <laughs> see how fucking easy it is. I'm going to join you. I'm going to join you. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go for an eight on that one as well. Yeah. Right. Okay. And the palette then. Um, so, I think it's it's interesting. Uh, it's quite subtle. There's not loads of different things happening. It's not a very complex whiskey. Um, but what it does, it does well. And what I really like about it is how balanced it is. I, th- I just think there's nothing dominating. It is a really pleasant experience. So um, I'm probably gonna go six, but it's a it's a kind of six in a in a, in a sense of you know it's a really solid you know, nice uh, palette that we've got there. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a seven because I think it's, uh, 
I, I, I'd agree that it's it's all about the balance, but I do, I do think it, it grows on you a bit mm. as, as you go through the glass. So yeah. I, I think it's uh, maybe the complexity is not uh, not as me, uh, immediately apparent, um, but it, but it does kind of you know it, it grows on you a bit. I think great, yeah. Um, okay, and then on the the finish, um, so all of the notes that I really like the kind of I I like the the more multi-bittery notes in whiskey. I like it when the sweetness dissipates and you're left with just those those kind of uh, kind of yeah more bitter or or interesting notes that are left in your mouth. And I think this one does have that. Uh, the my only downside again would be that it's perhaps slightly short. So yeah, I think I'm going to go six again on the finish, but actually. It just perhaps doesn't have the complexity of some of the other things we've been trying this uh, series. So it's a six, but it's kind of like, it's a great whiskey. It's a really nice, uh, lovely, classic whiskey. I think the name, the Classic Laddie, is perfect for it. So, but yeah, six on the finish. Yeah, I'm going to join you on a six uh, with, with, with that for almost almost the opposite reason in that in the, I think the... Uh, I really miss the kind of um, sharpness and the sweetness mm. from the palate and the finish, but uh, but yeah, I think it's it is that kind of you know just above mid score kind of kind of thing. But I think for what it's released to be mm. and what it uh, and its price tag, I think I think that's absolutely that's absolutely fine. Yeah, I think well, to be honest, it's weird because that's not going to be really high up the drumming league table. But I would recommend this whiskey to a lot of people especially people just getting into whiskey and things like that um because i do think it's something that would would get people excited about whiskey would get people interested in the whiskey because it's got such a nice flavor to it so even though it's not scoring highly because i suppose we're getting used to complex cast strength um you know very different style drowns maybe that's why we're scoring this a bit differently maybe if we were reviewing this in series one we would have a very different score but um but it's because it's a great whiskey but yeah i think it's it's a solid uh, whiskey rather than a, it's not going to blow you away, but it's a solid um, starter drama, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there's, you've got tons of records in your collection and you know they're not Radiohead or Bjork or, or, or these really like um, complex, you know, visionary complex yeah. geniuses, but, but you still enjoy their albums for, yeah. for what they are. And it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of one of those. It's, like a, mm. it's comfortable, but it's really, really good. Mm. Okay, so well, talking of uh, geniuses, uh, as you just mentioned there, uh, my, my final pick for the, the song uh, for the podcast is going to be um, Johnny Greenwood. Uh, Johnny Greenwood, member of Radiohead, of course, um, but when he does stuff away from Radiohead, he delves totally into completely different genres. The stuff he brings to Radiohead, obviously, is you know when they do their whatever sound it is that they they create, you know, that's evolved over the years. He brings the elements that are from very different genres, and I think that's what mm. part, part of what creates such an interesting sound to Radiohead is that he comes in with these totally different, you know. Well, they all ones. just do what Tommy what talent does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. except I think except Johnny. I think Johnny's the only person who gets away with doing what he likes. Um, and, but what he does in his own time is he he creates this solo music that's so different from what Radiohead do. He's done a lot of movie soundtracks. So anyone who's seen the film, there will be blood. Uh, the the classical soundtrack to that was composed by Johnny. Um, so Johnny Green has done that. He's also uh, done things like he's covered Steve Reich songs um, in his own in his live performances and stuff like that. Um, and one of the things he did that we mentioned on our Paul John episode, series two, episode five, 
was that he went over to India and um, collaborated with an Indian jazz band called the Rajasthan Express and Shai Ben Sir, I think is how you say it, mm-hmm. um, who's an Israeli uh, singer and artist. Uh, and they did an album together and they just recorded it all in this beautiful uh, palatial building in, in well, in India. <laughs> and yeah. he, they, they came up with this fantastic album that just used the different styles of music from the three, from the three different component parts uh, so well. And there's an there's a accompanying film, called, it's called Junan, the album, and there's an accompanying film called, uh, film called Junan, uh, which uh, Paul Thomas Anderson uh, filmed, uh, so he got involved as well. And it's a great film, and it's it's pretty much a making of documentary. But it's it's really great to see these musicians play and how they how they melded the music together. Um, and I also saw them live recently at the Sage. You were meant to go, but uh, devastatingly yeah, couldn't make it last I, minute. I, I pointed out the um, uh, dwindling tickets remaining to you. Yeah, uh, I, so I can't believe I didn't spot it. Yeah, uh, and then I was I was supposed to be. Uh, Supposed to be working at it, and then had to had to go off and do uh, work on a different uh, job that night. So uh, yeah. yeah, well, so basically they were touring around the country with Radiohead, supporting Radiohead, and uh, whilst Radiohead were off doing something more important in a place called Glastonbury, they uh, they went and did a couple of gigs on their own, and one of them was in Newcastle, and uh, it wasn't a very it wasn't a particularly well attended gig. It was only a couple hundred people there. Um, but it was such a fantastic gig. They, they were absolutely brilliant and such fantastic music. And it's great to see such a different style. Um, and for some music geeks out there, this uh, contains one of my, uh, one of, well, I suppose one of the classic polyrhythms that's out there, which is three into two. We should do a special bonus podcast episode where you tell us your top 10 polyrhythms. <laughs> top 10 um, polyrhythms. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, for anyone who wants to do it, t- tap along to this song, you get your triplets going on in your left hand and you get your. Your couplets going on in your other hand, and there you go. Um, that's so you get that rhythm of throughout this song. It's so sweet when drummers think that other musicians are going to be. I'm explaining. I'm explaining to the listeners. I'm not explaining to you. I know you know what a two and a three polyrhythm is. I look. I can tap those in time. Look, it's this three and this is two. <laughs> I know you understand it, but I'm trying to explain to anyone who hasn't come across polyrhythms before uh, the fact that you've got three beats and two beats happening in the same time period throughout this song. You're such a bastard. Never let it be said you don't learn anything on This Is My Drama. (laughs) Well, here it goes. Tap along to this one.
that's uh, Allah Elohim by Sai uh, Benchir and, and Junan, which is uh, Johnny Greenwood and the Rajasthan Express as well. Uh, fantastic song. Probably the most Western sounding song on the album, actually, in mm, terms of yeah. it. Still, it has that guitar part that is a little bit. A little bit Radiohead, almost a little bit, little bit Western, um, but yeah, it's, it's a great song. I love, I love what they're doing with that. So, so hopefully you enjoyed that. And do go back to our Paul John episode and listen to the other Indian music that we picked out uh, in series two, episode five, if you haven't haven't heard it already. Um, but yeah, so we're going to wrap up the podcast pretty soon, um, but we'll just chat about a few things that are going on over the, the next few weeks and, and hopefully into the next series as well. Um, we are uh, doing. A tweet tasting tomorrow night, uh, the day after this is being recorded. It will have happened long ago by the time you're listening to this because it takes me ages to edit these podcasts. Uh, we're doing the tweet tasting through the, the Whiskey Wire um, and they've got two brand new releases. So we're doing the Triple Distilled and the uh, Chateau Sisak, I think is how you'd say it. No? I would say so, yeah. Yeah, which looks like a wine finished uh, Ben Ramak as well. Um, so we're re- looking forward to doing that tomorrow night. So we'll, we'll be tweeting our thoughts on that. Uh, so um, go back and have a look at our Twitter to see what our thoughts were on those those particular whiskies. We're also looking forward to next series. Um, I think our next uh, podcast will actually involve what we did at the, the York Whiskey Festival in October. So if you are going to the York Whiskey Festival in October... Give us a shout and let us know. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to meet you if you are going. Uh, we've already got a couple of people lined up that we're going to speak to when we go there, so that'd be great fun. That'd you basically great. can will get to be on the podcast if we <laughs> if we bump into you. We'll uh, we'll, we'll shove a microphone in your face. Yeah, we'll certainly. Uh, you know, and you you might even be able to spot us quite easily with some uh, rather ridiculous t-shirts that I've got planned. So. Uh, <laughs> Let's finish off with some final tracks for the playlist then. So what are your final three extra tracks you're going to put on our Spotify playlist that will will be on the blog, thisismydram.com. Uh, we put our Spotify playlist on that, the blog there so you can uh, see a summary of the podcast episode. But also, if you search on Spotify, uh, this is my dram, all one word, we come up as a user and you can uh, see all of our playlists on there. So what are the other tracks you can add to that, that playlist under the theme of uh, artists that have done some one-off albums or songs under a totally different genre I'll put on I Shot the Sheriff by Eric Clapton which is a very very rare reggae uh, track for him in a a, a career that was almost entirely guitar based blues Um, and it's a good you know it's a good good cover it's been sampled many a time Warren G of course of course yeah on and this is a tenuous argument because they're one of these bands that we talked about that we've sort of excluded from the theme of bands who um, don't really have a fixed genre and yeah. uh, which makes it a hard theme doesn't it because makes it a tricky if you if you rule those guys out but my argument is that Helter Skelter uh, by the Beatles on the White Album is significantly different in 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 tone to anything else that the Beatles did it's almost like a kind of early heavy metal track or something it's yeah. like it's, re- it's really they're really ripping into it and, mm-hmm. it, and it has a very different uh, feel uh, to my mind and to my ear to any of their slightly more rocky tracks that they did
putting on a discotheque by U2 <laughs> off the pop album. So they'd had. Sorry, you were putting U2. They, on. They'd had something like seven albums of. Uh, this is um, back when U2 were fairly decent, though. You know, back yeah. in the day before they. I mean, the, the you know the pop album is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. Um, I, I, I've got uh, various friends who you know, including uh, uh, Andrew, who people will, will remember from an earlier episode. Uh, um, in in series one, who who went to see the U two pop tour in Belfast mm. yeah. uh, when when he was about fifteen, I guess at the time, and that was the one where they emerged from a giant lemon above the stage. <laughs> it's quite spinal so tap. Was, that. Yeah, there was a big lemon that they were inside and it opened <laughs> up and it came out. And the whole thing was ridiculous. There were futuristic cowboys playing uh, uh, synthesizers and and what have you. But you know, they they had a very straight ahead guitar-based rock band career for about six or seven albums prior to pop mm. and then it, it was it was significantly different so I think it it fits the theme and I think Discotech from that album is is a pretty good song mm. it's not There you go. So I'm going to go for um, the first one I am going for is um, by basically a collaboration uh, act called Sisyphus, which consists of Sufjan Stevens, who's one of my favourite artists, and I talk about him quite a lot, um, Serengeti, the hip hop artist, and uh, Son Lux, who is a producer. And they basically, it's Sufjan Stevens, who is, I suppose, he is quite genre, um, he flits between genres a little bit, he does a lot of electro. He do, he's done uh, a bit of Christian acoustic folk, I suppose you could say. He's done a lot of orchestral indie pop, I suppose you would call it. He's, you know, he does cover the genres. He's done his Christmas music, of course. Um, so he does cover the genres. Uh, but I think this is so out of anything else that he's ever done. They basically created a hip-hop album. And that's so far removed from anything Sophie and Stephen does in his, his day-to-day stuff that I think it, it fits the theme. Yeah, I think Sophie and Stephen, I think if people... Ha- have any criticism for Sufjan Stevens it's that his style of music doesn't suit them in that he can be a bit Christian acoustic rock kind it's, of his, thing. it's his fans that are the problem <laughs> like <know>. me <laughs> obsessed <laughs> fans yeah but I think he often comes across as a bit of a wet acoustic artist and, it, and that gets in the way perhaps of how fantastic his melodies and um, arrangements are which just blow my mind on a regular occurrence so for him to do a complete separate thing which is hip hop is quite impressive and they released this entire hip-hop album and it's fantastic like hip-hop beats Sufjan doing melodic stuff and the the rapper Serengeti rapping over the top and it's just I think it's a brilliant album and, and I had I, it's so I'd say it's underrated simply because I haven't heard of it until recently and I'm a massive Sufjan Stevens fan so if I haven't heard of it that means loads of people haven't heard of it so get, if you're a hip-hop fan or a Sufjan Stevens fan go and check the album out Sisyphus um, because it's absolutely fantastic I'm going to put on uh, Rhythm of Devotion I don't care if you feel ugly I've got an open heart I want to be your man I'm also going to go for uh, Apex Twin 
Aphex Twin is, you know, well known for his absolutely batshit crazy, um, trippy electronica, uh, which usually sounds uh, a little bit like this. Uh, and so he occasionally does these very different songs on his albums where he steps out of that genre of crazy electronica and uh, puts a nice piano piece on. Yeah. And uh, one of them is Avril 14th from the Drucks album. It's got such a variety on there and a lot of it is very in your face. Um, beats, uh, trip hop, electronica. And then he, this beautiful, calm, uh, melodic piano track comes in called Avril the 14th. Finally, I'm going to go for um, a song by Non Keen, which is uh, the band that Nils Fram's in. So Nils Fram often does a crossover. It's one of those artists that crosses over from classical musician to slightly avant-garde alternative with a bit of electronica thrown in. <clears throat> but what, he has this band on the side that um, does kind of ambient... Yeah, kind of, kind of just ambient electronica, I suppose. And the song I'm going to go for um, is Diving Platform by them, which I think is just a... Uh, a great one to listen to if you're lying by a, uh, a pool on a summer holiday, uh, which as we're entering into winter now, a lot of people will obviously yeah, be doing. Yeah, yeah, it's time to get the speedos on. Yeah. <laughs> Just a, an, an 11th track. That oh, I'm, here we go. On, on, on behalf of, of, of both of us that I've just thought of, which is uh, Come Down to Us from the uh, Rival Dealer Burial album, which is, t- oh, yeah. which, is, which is actually very out of character for him. It's a pop song, basically. It's almost like his, um, I felt it was almost like his Christmas song, his yeah, Christmas yeah, yeah. single, because it has that pop moment at the end where everything lifts up and it becomes almost like a, a dance pop song, doesn't it? Which it just suddenly occurred to me yeah. while you were talking there, because we have talked about Burial quite a bit on yeah. uh, one or two of the podcasts, and I, and I feel like it's, it's a good kind of uh, gateway track into Burial, um, in the same way that this is a good gateway whiskey. It might possible. not give them a good idea of what Burial's about, but it would certainly be interesting to see people's reaction if they'd never heard of Burial before. Um, it's, 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 it is very different from what he usually does, as you say, in terms of it's still got his telltale production, but it's, um, it's, it's almost like a pop song. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible. And uh, I just like that even when this poppy moment's happening at the end in this big crescendo the beat is still broken up and crackling and, yeah, yeah, and everything's yeah. still kind of in the ambience underneath. Everything's still a little bit f- falling to pieces and, a bit, mm. you know, not quite there. And it's fantastic production. I was going to put you there, I'd probably kick you two off the playlist uh, 
at, at this point for having <laughs> having spent about ten minutes uh, excusing myself for including them. They should probably stay on there. Okay, uh, so eleventh extra song by Burial. I like yeah. it, and on the fly podcast uh, playlist yeah, no. inclusion. Love it. Don't, don't say that the, uh, the 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 series finale didn't have. Uh, didn't have extra special surprises there. You know, that were, uh, <laughs> twists and turns to the very end of the series. We should leave the series on a cliffhanger. Do you want to get the door there? I wonder who that could be. Chief Executive of Diageo, of course we'll come and work for you. <laughs> what a lovely surprise. So will this is my drum be back for Series 4? Who knows? Find out in Series 4. No, we should probably do a real outro. <laughs> <laughs>